Before I jump into Proverbs 30, I want to read another passage. And, and I, I did try to look at, we're looking at Ecclesiastes next, right, Justin? But I want to jump into the book of Ecclesiastes because there's this, there's this beautiful, same author by, by majority agreement, I think. I want to turn to Ecclesiastes 9, chapter 9, verse 11. I just want to turn here because we see Solomon really continue on his rants about wisdom. What we know about Solomon is that out of all the gifts that he wanted in a very direct relationship with God, Yahweh himself asked Solomon to ask for whatever he wanted and he would grant it to him. I find it a little bit peculiar, I do, that he, he asked for wisdom. I find it peculiar until I read Proverbs 30. I find it peculiar until I read Ecclesiastes. Because for someone to desire the gift of wisdom, to me, is someone who understands the weight of their life. They understand the weight that they carry as a mother the weight that they carry as a father, the weight they carry as a business owner, the weight they carry as a teacher, the weight they carry as an elected government official. Solomon was raised in this tradition. I'm just going to say quite simply as a churchgoer. Right? And, and, and his dad was the pastor. And there was just a big, big shoes to fill. He'd seen what God had done. He'd seen what God could do. And now he's going to take over his father's footsteps. See, when you don't live with responsibility, you will have no need to crave wisdom. When, you don't, when all you care about is yourself... You're not going to crave wisdom. You're going to listen to Lady Folly and you're going to chase after the nearest thing around you to just achieve whatever it is, is your immediate desire. And so I think this is one of the things that happens in our lives when we meet Jesus. There is this beautiful idea that he shows us and introduces to us and promises us that we're going to live forever. That we're going to become co-heirs with him. That from the very beginning, we were actually designed to rule with him. To be caretakers of, of all that he created. Does anyone ever allow you to hold something for them that was just a little bit valuable and above your pay grade to keep and protect? Right, maybe, maybe it was a piece of jewelry or um, just something of value to, to another person, to them, to the person giving it to you. Right? Ever had anyone house sit for you? Take care of your animals, take care of your pets. Has anyone ever asked you to do that? There's a level of, of trust that needs to be in place and there's certainly been times that I've invited people that have never been trusted with so much, right? And you ask them, hey, listen, you know, would you, would you 
you know, take care of this for me while I'm gone. The last thing you want to see is, you know, a, a lack of confidence that they can do it, right? Oh, um, no one's ever asked me to do that before, right? For some individuals, there's, there's that moment of terror. And for some moments, some, for some people, there's also those moments of that first step that I've been entrusted with something more. See, when we're in relationship with Jesus, we need to be the people that realize that he's inviting us to be part of something more. He's entrusting us with the people sitting next to you. He's entrusting you with the dreams of others. He's entrusting you to, with, with, with understanding how our choices impact their outcomes. That's why one of the greatest things we can do is just pray for one another. Listen to one another. Stand with one another. Carry each other's burdens. Dave. One thing I was just sitting in the stoop outside of the market, and somebody I just kind of knew walked up to me or didn't even remember his name. He's like, here, hold this baby, and went to the market. Mm-hmm. No lie. And I'm like, what in the world's going on here? He just had me hold this baby with like, I mean, the kid's name. This is such a great example. Yeah, that's, that's all I'm going to say. That's fantastic. Because all those emotions were there, man, like pure fear, fear. Also, wow, you trusted me? Like, what the heck is going on here? And I want you to know that all around us, there are babies waiting to be born in Christ. All around us, we don't even know when we're being entrusted with a, with a, a child in Christ. I've been meeting people more and more recently um, they're, they're quite grown, quite grown. Everything on the outside, it says, you know, we should be at this mature spot in life only to discover that, that they were never nurtured as a child, right? And they, so they had to piece everything together on their own, which I think is really Christianity at its best. We come into a life of Christ, you know, and I want you to know without the church, there are people beyond these walls just trying to put together their own spiritual understanding, their own spiritual awareness. This is why the body, this is why the, the church of Christ is so, so essential because we need to have parents in Christ. We need to have brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to have grandparents and great-grandparents in Christ. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Right? So when Solomon asked for wisdom, I find it, I find it extremely wise, right? And here's what I believe. I believe wisdom is both a gift and and a skill that can be cultivated. I think Solomon was already granted, already had the gift of wisdom, which is why he asked for it. But it's also something that can be cultivated and learned and grown. Some of us gain wisdom the hard way. Right? We learn wisdom the hard way. And it's by the grace of God that we, we gain and keep that wisdom. Right? But there's others who, who I believe I've seen just from a very, very young age are, are able 
it, by some blessing in the Lord, are just able to see the difference between right and wrong. They're just able to see the difference, that voice. It was Justin only a couple weeks ago. Um, had the, had, Justin and Jenna had the girls, right? If you were here, Justin was up here and came up. I think Chuck came up and Roger came up. And um, they all called the girls to come and run to them. You know, and the girls just waited until they heard their dad's voice. And then they went to him. Right, and afterwards, I think I was talking with Jana or Justin, I don't recall. Seems like an eternity ago. <clears throat> How even in the midst, I've done this with my son, that you can have several people talking in a room. Right? But my son will still be able to hear my voice in the midst of the noise. He'll be able to identify when dad is saying go, when dad is saying stop, when dad is saying be patient, when dad is saying being still. Right? But I want you to know some of the things that cultivate that voice is not just the voice itself. It's all the hugs, all the gentle words, all the laughter, all the comfort that surrounds it. See, some of us when we step into a relationship with Jesus, we, we think his wisdom comes to us in the same way that perhaps our earthly friends or our earthly parents did, and they think that God's just yelling at us. Do this, do that. No, 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 wrong, wrong way. No, no, no. But I want you to know that, that the affection of the Lord is, he wants to just hug you. He just wants to comfort us. He just wants to remind us that, that we are his children. God wants to laugh with you. He wants to cultivate this connection and this relationship so much that his words to us are as comforting as his presence in himself. Right? And, and, and I believe this is a big part of our relationship with him. It's not just a choice to, to acknowledge him and receive his words and, and understand what the work that Jesus has done, but it's actually the work of this relationship. I have felt, as strange as it is, I have felt the Lord's arms wrapped around me. I have felt his whispers. I've felt his, his loving gaze into my eyes. I wish I could tell you how. For some of us, it's been through nature. Some of us, it's through the soul. Some of us... But I'll tell you the way that you get there. You begin with him and you end with him. I was blessed in my life to have seasons that I just sit for hours and hours waiting for him to show up, waiting to hear his voice, waiting to know his voice. See, Building a relationship with Jesus, my friends, it, it, it is a relationship that needs to be built. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not just like, like hanging out with a weekend buddy that you meet up on occasion. It's literally through his words and his conversations and allowing your spirit and your soul to be open to the things we see, the things we hear, discerning and knowing truth, understanding nature, understanding his creation. And what you'll feel, discover happening in your life is you'll feel him pour into your cup. If it's been emptied first. 
if it's been emptied first. So the biggest thing for me, if this is helpful to you on your spiritual journey, it's not trying to figure out how to get my cup full, but it's trying to figure out how to get my cup empty. See, this is anti-human behavior. We just want to be full. We just want to be happy. We just want to have, have, have some sense. But until we are empty, only then can we be filled with what is real, with what is whole, with what is lasting. And that's why I said only a few moments ago, choosing wisdom is going to feel, choosing God is going to have the same feeling of emptiness that may be very, very similar to the life you had before him. Because this is where our character is going to be built. Because there has to be a choice to say, Jesus, we're going to trust in you when we don't see you. Jesus, we are going to hold to you when we don't feel you. Jesus, we are going to respond to you even though I don't know if you hear me. It's that moment, I believe, that as a parent, we begin to let, let our children grow. Right? I haven't shared this story for a long time, but I will share it. Many years ago now, um, when I was in a Russian Republic, we were visiting uh, local orphanages. Some of you may recall this story. Um, we were visiting local orphanages and playing with the children and, and praying and just serving any way that we could. And, and I got there. I will never forget this. Uh, it must have been a five-year-old little boy who was uh, strapped to a wheelchair. And as soon as I arrived, all... And literally, I mean, he was strapped. He was, you know... Now, I want to I confess something to you. Um, this orphanage, this Russian orphanage, as some of you very well know, um, this isn't... Uh, I'm not going to say there, there weren't um, children there of, of, of normal development. Um, I just don't recall seeing any. Um, this is where the children would be sent who had um, disabilities of some kind, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Whether it be um, some form of, of... It would have been looked upon culturally, culturally as the outcast. And so the family didn't want them, right? This wasn't that they didn't have any parents. This was that their parents didn't want them. And there are so many kids there, so many kids that they literally tied the children to the wheelchairs to care for them. So I was there, and I saw this five-year-old. As soon as I was there, I mean, he was, I mean, he was, he was looking back. He was a complete rebel, you know, this five-year-old, complete rebel. Because as soon as he saw me, his arms were up. You know, you don't need, I didn't have Kai yet, we didn't have any children, but you don't need a translator when a child yeah. starts putting their hands up, right? What, what did he want? He wanted up, right? And I didn't know the rules, right? I'm just a silly American visiting, so I picked him up. And as soon as I picked him up, he wanted down, He didn't want to be held. He wanted to walk. So I, being, I was completely overwhelmed. I didn't know what to do, right? This whole situation is unfolding in real time. 
So I'm listening to him, and I put him down, and his legs, his legs can barely hold him. And he didn't care. Nothing was going to stop him from walking. I would just hold his hands, you know, and he would just, in all the courage and encouragement informed by his own soul, he would just take another step, one after the other. There was nothing that was going to keep this five-year-old from leaning into the future that he knew was created for him. And as soon as he took a step, one of the workers came along and snatched him back and explained to me, as simple as it was, there's so many kids there and they explain, in order for them to care for all of them, they needed to keep them tied down. Friends, wisdom is Jesus coming for those who want to get up out of the chair and walk. The encouragement of Christ comes and we have courage that we refuse, that our soul keeps informing us that there is life because he comes and he grants us the ability to walk, the ability to move beyond. And so when Solomon writes and seeks this this is what I think he's after. He knows the God who grants wisdom. He knows the God who's created everything. And, and he's not alone. I love the fact in Ecclesiastes 9.11, I love the fact that Solomon identifies someone that he considers as having more wisdom than him. And I love that because so many people that I meet think that they're just already the smartest person in the room. They just think that they know how to live their life. They're so quick to give out their own advice, their own instruction. And here's Solomon, anointed by God, received wisdom directly from Yahweh himself, acknowledges an individual with greater wisdom than himself. And it says this, verse 11, Again, I saw that under the sun the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time, like fish that are taken in an evil net and birds that are caught in a snare. So the children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. I'm going to pause there real, real quick. I want to be very sensitive as I share this. We are the only part of creation that creates the future. We are the only aspect of creation that creates. And yet, we're not promised the very future that we create. All right, that business that you're building, it may not be there for you tomorrow. Those riches that you're saving up, may not be there for you tomorrow. As a matter of fact, Jesus told a story about a rich man who saved up so much, and then he was called. His life was called to an end. And Jesus said, well, who's, right? What was the purpose of his life? Who's going to get it? What, what, what was all the meaning? And so I personally find a little bit, a little bit of a wearisome, a wearisome burden in a little bit of this. Because... Oh, repeatedly in my life, I do hear 
that when we do breathe our last breath, we're all shocked. We are all, it always happens unexpectedly. But it shouldn't. Because our whole life, wisdom is about understanding how our choices connect their outcome, how we live our lives to impact others. See, those of us who are in Jesus, we're not living for the here and the now. I want to be very clear about this. We're just passing through. We've been granted and gifted a role for his purpose and his pleasure during this immediate time. There's a home created for you if you're in Christ that is just magnificent. I want you to know that that whatever your home looks like, whatever your garden, whatever it is that you're going to be entrusted with for all eternity to part of the Lord and care for, I can't wait to come over and visit. I can't wait to come over and visit. And mine's going to be just as beautiful, but completely different. It's almost, it's almost like in my mind in this moment, we're going we're, we're gonna to be doing this eternal progressive dinner. Just kind of going from house to house and celebrating with each other for all of eternity. How beautiful is this? With gardens and fruits and foods and stories of adventure and redemption, right? The healing. I heard this, this other great story. And I believe this. I actually, I, I believe this. There's, there's, um, it was just, it was just kind of like a, like a, um, just another analogy, but a story told when, about a woman that, that when she, she crossed the threshold into eternity, she had a very, very hard life, and, and she was recognizable in eternity. And, and the person who recognized her was actually almost shocked, and, and, and he said, well, I, I'm just, I'm shocked to recognize you because I, I, I see all your scars. You know, I thought all your scars would be gone. And she's like, no, 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 no. It's so important that they're here because they reveal the glory of God. They reveal the healing of God in my life. Sometimes we think we want all the scars of our lives to be removed rather than seeing God receive the glory for the healing that he's brought through them. We should not be shocked. Because it says right here, see, wisdom is understanding that our days are numbered. James, the book of James says, what a foolish thing it is to do, right? Say, tomorrow I'm going to go here, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, right? I just turned 50, and, and, and I'm already looking at the end of my days, right? <laughs> Trying to make sure, you know, what do I need to get in order? How, you know, what do I want to pass along? What do I want, you know? I'm already at the age where, you know, I feel like it's, it's not a shock, so I'm a bit shocked when I find people in their 80s and 90s that are surprised. See, if it comes as a surprise, it says here, this is a snare when it suddenly falls upon them. Verse 13, I've also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with a few men in it. A great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say this, wisdom is better than might. Though, through, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. Verse 17, the words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. 
Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Now, the reason why I point out this individual, I have no biblical evidence for what I'm about to share with you. But whoever this individual is, I have reason to believe that he was, what he saw, what Solomon saw in his life was impactful and meaningful. That I think, I think this is actually a girl. In my imagination, I'd like to believe this. When we turn to Proverbs chapter 30, the words of a girl. The words of a um, and this son, uh, the son of, of Jacob, these, these names turn up nowhere else in the Bible. We don't know anything about them except what is written here. I'd like to believe that, that, that Solomon, in his own search in wisdom, searching for God and searching to understand and somehow bring alignment to his character. Bring alignment. Now, now I want you to understand, character is not living perfect. Character is living in a manner that is true. See, character is living in line with the way that we are designed and created in Jesus. Understanding how we are created in his image by his breath. And so I think the words of the Gur connect deeply. I think they actually inspired Solomon to write Ecclesiastes. Don't quote me on that. Just giving you some footnotes. This is chapter 30, verse 1, the words of a Gur. The words of a Gur, son of Jacob, the oracle. The man declares, I am weary. Oh God, I am weary. Oh God. I'm worn out. Surely, I am too stupid to be a man. I have not the understanding of a man. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One who has ascended to heaven and come down, who has gathered the wind in his fists, who has wrapped up the waters in a garment, who established at all the ends of the earth. What is his name? And what is his son's name? Surely you know. Tell me that's not wise. This individual is saying, I am not wise. I have no idea what I'm talking about. I am, I am searching like everyone else. I'm so tired of searching because the life I'm living is wearing so, so, so brashly on me. I, have, I won't even dare call myself wise. And yet he speaks how many years before Jesus even comes. And he's speaking of, of the creator of the world. What's his name and what is his son's name? Surely you know. That's astonishing. You see where wisdom can take you. Every word of God, verse 5, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. You see this cup? Pour out everything that is of yourself. Pour out all the lies, all the deceits, all the unforgiveness, all the mis misunderstanding, all the disbelief. Pour it all out because when you just add to it, you're just adding to your own folly. And you'll be rebuked and still found to be a liar. Verse 7. Two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. 
Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. He's basically just saying, God, help me to understand what it is to have what I need today. Because if I have too much, I trust myself. If I don't have enough, then, 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 I, feel like I, 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 then I feel like I need to go store up. In his wisdom, he's actually longing for the very exodus moment that God gave them in the wilderness. Only eat and drink what you're given for today. Live in the present. Where Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow. These are long before the words of Jesus. What a prayer. Verse 10, don't slander a servant to his master or he'll curse you and, and you'll be held guilty. There are those who curse their fathers and do not bless their mothers. There are those who, clean, who are clean in their own eyes but are, not, but are not washed of their own filth. There are those low, lofty, there, sorry, there are those how lofty are their eyes, how high their eyelids lift. There are those whose teeth are swords, whose fangs are knives, to devour the poor off the earth, the needy from among mankind. The leech has two daughters. Give and give. The leech has two daughters. Give and give. Agur here is giving voice to all. For me, he's giving all the voice that are to the things that are common among us all. The struggles, the things we see around us, the, 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 those that we want to have a relationship with but are just not ready because, because, of, 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 because of their poor character. Those that are not ready to be in a, in a relationship because they're a leech. Right? Have you ever, no, it's just never enough. Those of poor, it's a poor character, it's never enough. Give and give. The leech comes and says, give and give. Give me more, right? Let me share with you today. Give me more tomorrow. Give, I'll meet you tomorrow. I'll meet you the day after. Get, please give and give and give. We have to move. The scriptures are telling us that we have to move from people who take to people who give more than we take. And the leech just comes to give and, sorry, just comes to take and take. They ask for more and more and are never whole. And Agur goes into several of these beautiful um, images, these, these beautiful observations. Three things are never satisfying. Four, never say enough. Sheol. I want you to know that, I want you to know that, that hell has enough room for anyone who wants to go there. Hell has enough room and it is never quenched. Hell has enough space for anyone and everyone who rejects Jesus. I'd like to tell you otherwise. I'd like to tell you that, that, that there's no vacancy. The barren womb, the land never satisfied with water, and the fire that never says enough. The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey the mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. Verse 18 comes into some more imagery, right? Some more imagery images. Three things are too wonderful for me. I love, I love how, he, how he shifts from 
from this, from this chasm of, of never being satisfied, never being enough. I want you to know that the soul falls into this category without Christ. Without Christ, your soul will never be filled. But he flips now to the, these beautiful images, these, these beautiful observations of wisdom in the world. Three things, verse 18, three things are too wonderful, wonderful, wonderful for me. Four, I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the sky, done. The way of a serpent on a rock. The way of a ship on the high seas. The way of a man with, a, with, with his wife. This is the way of an adulteress. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I've done no wrong. He's comparing. He's comparing the, 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 the folly of, of the woman of folly and the, and the lady of wisdom and the lady of folly. There's a, there are stark contrasts. What I love from verse 18 and, verse 18 and 19 is, um, Bob, we've talked about this. And I don't remember my own words. You'll have to remind me. This awe. This awe of things that are so much bigger than me that I don't understand. I am not able. I don't understand. I, can't, I don't understand how that eagle flies. I can't, I can't create that. Right? I can't create that, 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 that snake. I can't give it life. I, I, I can't design how, how it moves. The way a ship moves and floats on the seas, I, I don't know. How, I don't, this, is, this is beyond my mind. Right? Landing on the moon, flying in an airplane, all these things. Right? And again, we can see this stark contrast again, how man has taken the, his own wisdom upon himself. Right? Verse 21. Under three things the earth trembles. Under four it cannot bear up. A slave when he becomes king. A fool when he is filled with food. An unloved woman when she gets a husband. And a maidservant when she displaces her mistress. Quite simply here. When it says in verse 21. The earth trembles. What, what he's pointing out here is. How angry people get at the unjustness, right? How could a slave ever become king? For a slave to become king, this is, you would find that slave, it, it would be a miracle for this to happen, right? It's only, you look at the life of Joseph, a slave becomes king, a slave is risen to king, Daniel, right? We see only God can elevate these individuals, but what happens what happens when that takes place? The whole world is outraged. Everyone is outraged. How can the unlovable person find a spouse? Why, why don't I have a spouse? How did that slave rise, rise to become my boss? I, I have a better education. I, I've worked longer. I've worked harder. He's simply pointing out. He's simply pointing out the way that the evil heart functions. Verse 24. Four things on earth are small, but they are exceedingly wise. The ants are people not strong, yet they provide their food in the summer. 
The rock badgers are a people, not mighty, yet they take their homes in the cliffs. The locusts have no king, yet all of them march in rank. And the lizard you can take in your hands, and yet it's in king's palaces. Three things are as stately in their tread, four are stately in their stride. The lion, which is the mightiest among beasts, and does not turn back before any. The strutting rooster, the he-goat, and the king, whose army is with him. If you look at this passage, this strutting rooster and the he-goat is a little bit um, perplexing. If you actually get into looking at some of the Hebrew here, um, no one's really quite sure what they mean. Um, But what they're pointing out, what he's pointing out here is, He's pointing out this, this design in nature, this perfect design in nature and how it all connects to the wisdom of God in his creation and even more so to us as his created beings. 32, verse 32. If you've been foolish, exalting yourself, or if you've been devising evil, put your hand on your mouth. For pressing milk, milk produces curds. Pressing the nose produces blood. And pressing anger produces strife. I simply wrote down these little notes for you. It's about our character. Wisdom is about our character. Wisdom is about finding Jesus, beginning with Jesus, following Jesus. It's not about being perfect, but it's about being true. True to our divine design, the way that he created us. Jesus is the beginning of wisdom. God in all of his creation and all of his wisdom. You have a girl having this writing, finding his way to God. And that wasn't enough. It wasn't enough in all of God's creation that we find our way to him. He actually sent Jesus to come find us. So here's my takeaways from Agur. One, it's okay that we struggle. It is okay that we struggle. This is a part of our human nature. This is a part of the wrestling between good and evil in our life. But as we struggle, know who is over the struggle. Know whom it is that has purchased us through his struggle. Two, it's okay that you don't know. In fact, it's essential. It's essential that you know that you don't know. But this doesn't mean that you don't know something. God, in all of his goodness and all of his faithfulness, as we pour out all that we are, as we allow him to expose all of the sin and the darkness in our own souls, he will pour himself into us. And we will begin to be able to receive what he has for us. Now, it's not going to be everything, just like this huge jug of water. You and I, we're smaller vessels, all right? So please, what he has poured into you, please cherish and protect because it is a portion of the eternal God. It is a portion of his love for you. If you've ever had a moment in your life that you felt loved, I want you to know it's but, it's but a small collection in your small vessel that one day will open up to the full overflow of, of who he is. What you've experienced in your life, as tender, as joy, as patience, as kindness, I want you to know one day when we cross the threshold is going to open up to the source of these things. And it will 
overflow. He promises us. So it's essential that we know that we don't know. But understand that we do, we can understand that we do know something. We do know, we do know that Jesus came and he died on the cross. We do know that Jesus' body was moved and placed in the grave. We do know, we do know that that tomb was sealed. We do know that tomb was guarded and protected. And we do know that three days later, it was empty. We do know that Jesus met and walked among us in a similar way that he did, showing the piercing of his hands and his feet. And we know that he ascended. And we know that he promised that he was going to come back for us. Amen? Amen. So if we want love in our life, we have to live like we're loved. If we want to enjoy meaningful relationships, we have to live our lives with meaning. If we want to live with peace, we have to live trusting in someone that is greater than ourselves. We have to trust in the peace giver. If we want to be encouraged, we have to live with courage. If you want to be trusted, we have to live in a trustworthy way. If we want to live healthy lives, we need to live like those who are healthy. We live in a day now, day and age, that wisdom is being exchanged for the lowest possible denominator. But Proverbs and Agur shows us, reminds us that there's an order to all created things. And wisdom is acknowledging this, understanding this, and responding to this. Amen. Amen. Father God, we thank you for your words. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for your truth. I thank you for, for, for this individual, Agur, that I don't know, I don't know who, put, who put this book together. I, I don't know if Agur is, 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 is this individual from Ecclesiastes. I, I don't know, but I do know this. I know that wisdom has been granted and allotted to, allotted to anyone who seeks it, anyone who's willing to receive it. Not only the rich, not only the strong, not only the mighty, not only the handsome, but it's offered to anyone who wants to get up and walk. 